Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Brandon, welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today we are doing another episode on our business blueprint. So it's probably probably the fourth time, fourth time we've done this topic on our podcast. It really hasn't changed very much, but I think that we need to bring it up pretty much every year. Um, just as a reminder for those of you who've been listening for a long time who still need to go through these steps or any of you who are new to the podcast. And what I find is that our podcast has a pretty high turnover. Um, so people are usually finding us. They're doing all the stuff that we help people with. And then they're typically moving on to topics that are more interesting to them. I can't really blame them, you know, whether it be like marketing, delivery of their own services, what have you. So for all of you that are newer to the podcast, it's going to be very very good for you. I'm going to be reading a section from my book, Unfuck Your Biz, all about the small business blueprint, which covers the 14 or so steps that you need to take if and when you decide to legally solidify your sole proprietorship, form an LLC, and or form an S corporation. So we are going to be helping people with all of this um, in our program, Legally Launch the Doors are officially open. They, they've been open. They're actually going to stay open. But if you join by end of day tomorrow, Friday, January 26th, then you can um, get a little bonus, which is a live cohort of the program. We're going to be doing three um, group Q&As on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, each one will be kind of structured with a part of the course. Altogether, the course is only about an hour worth of videos, so it's not super time intensive because I know that you don't want to spend a lot of time doing this, but you're going to watch about 20 minutes of videos. You're going to come to the Q&A, ask any questions, and then you're going to implement um, that section of the material. The thing that I think really, um, like the biggest, the biggest benefit to Legally Launched is that you're going to learn what actually needs to happen with your LLC and S corporation and how they work and how to maintain them moving forward. I've shared a lot of horror stories on the podcast about people who had LLCs involuntarily dissolved, ended up owing several thousand dollars in back franchise taxes, all because they didn't understand their ongoing obligations for having this type of entity. When we go through online filing services, the initial filing is pretty easy, but they don't really notify us about these things. We're not aware of them. And then we get ourselves into trouble. So I actually am an advocate of people doing it on their own with some guidance. And we give you that guidance in the program. So without any further ado, we are going to insert here my reading of the chapter on the business blueprint from our audiobook and go. Chapter 15, Small Biz Blueprint. Welcome, Bestie, to the Small Biz Blueprint. The goal of the Small Biz Blueprint is simply to take an inventory of what you need to do to form your sole prop, LLC, and or S-Corp, and provide a rough outline of each step. In Unfuck Your Biz, we've begun creating a blueprint for each and every state. If you join, you can get specifics there for your state, along with hyperlinks to hop to each license, application, etc., here we give a general outline, mostly using my home state, California, as an example. 
Check out Appendix H at any time for a step-by-step -step visual. For students, make sure to complete your liability assessment, S-Corp savings calculator, and biz entity decision map for assistance on which direction to go with your entity choice. Also take note that we have a tutorial in your resource roundup for just about every step in the blueprint. The blueprint. The small biz blueprint is made up of 14 steps in the following order. One, get registered agent. Two, choose biz name and check availability. Three, determine entity and file articles. Four, obtain employment identification number. Five, file for seller's permit. Six, get fictitious business name license. Seven, obtain business license or business tax certificate. Eight, draft operating agreement. Nine, draft meeting minutes. 10, file S-Corp election. 11, file statement of information. 12, pay annual franchise tax. 13, open bank accounts. 14, set up payroll. In this chapter, I cover steps one through 10. These are the ones that actually form your entity. And the next chapter, I cover 11 through 14, the post-formation requirements. Stop paying for bullshit. I interrupt our blueprint for a quick aside. As you go through the steps in the blueprint, you'll likely see several places where I say, don't use an online service to do this. You probably know the services I'm talking about. Karen, owner of Golden Coast Marketing and graduate of Unfuck Your Biz, summed it up nicely when she told me online filing services are kind of like car mechanics. If you're not an expert yourself, how do you know what you actually need? Do you need the seven repairs and add-ons? Are the wheels going to fall off without this one repair? Or does it only serve to get me an extra 0.1 second off my zero to 60 time that I don't need? Good news. Once you read through this chapter, you'll have a good idea of what items slash repairs your business does need. Creating your custom blueprint. The blueprint may vary slightly depending on your business entity choice. If you plan to be or stay a sole prop, I advise looking into steps four through seven and the bank account. Do the same if you have a general partnership, but add the partnership agreement. If you form an LLC, go through the full blueprint, but only include steps 10 and 14 if you plan to elect S-Corp status on your LLC. Remember, you can always form your LLC now and elect S-Corp status now or in a future tax year. Likewise, as a sole prop, it's wise to get an EIN and your other business licenses now. If you move into an LLC later, you can update that at that time. However, if you plan to do the LLC sooner rather than later, consider doing it now to save the hassle of making updates and opening a new bank account. Step one, get a registered agent. Your registered agent is responsible for receiving service of process if you are ever sued. The first step in filing a lawsuit is submitting paperwork to the court. We call that a complaint. It lays out some basic facts and what you're suing for. Example, client sues, signs a contract on April 5th, 2023, and pays $4,000 for photography services. I provide the services. She doesn't pay. I sue for breach of contract and request $4,000 plus the costs associated with the suit. I state these facts in a complaint and file it with my local court. After filing, it's my responsibility to notify the defendant so that they can timely respond to that complaint. The defendant must file an answer, which asserts whatever defense they want to claim. When we deliver the complaint, that's called service of process. You'll typically hire a process server to execute the service of process. The registered agent is the specified recipient for service of process. Every LLC and corporation is required to have a registered agent, and that agent must have an address in the state where you form your LLC. You state in your articles of organization who the registered agent is. 
In doing so, you're basically saying, if someone wants to sue me, they must notify this person. When it comes to choosing your registered agent, you usually have two options. One, be your own registered agent. Easy peasy. Put your business or home address on your articles of organization as the place for service process. Typically, business owners instead hire a corporate registered agent in one of two circumstances. The first reason is they don't feel comfortable receiving service process. It's not scary. However, you must use your physical address. If you don't have a dedicated office, you'd use your home address, which is publicly searchable. The second reason is if your office is outside the state in which you formed. The registered agent must have an address in the same state as the LLC. Two, hire a corporate agent. Corporate agents are businesses that are in the business of being registered agents. You can typically find one for 50-ish dollars a year. Google state corporate registered agent. Check a few options until you find one you like. Use your judgment to make sure they look legit and are cost-effective. Hire your agent before you file your LLC. Step two, choose business name and check availability. LLC filings are rarely denied. However, one common reason for denial is using an already taken name. If that happens, that's not a huge deal. You pick a new name and refile. You can avoid that possibility by doing a name search before filing. Google state LLC search. Find a way to the link from your secretary of state or your state's agency in charge of biz entities. You can typically do a free search for LLCs. Search the name you want to use. If there's not an existing LLC with the name or a similar name, you should be good to go. Each state's rules on what constitutes a similar name are a bit different. Step three, determine entity and file articles. Almost every state now allows online LLC filing. Search for your state's online filing system and file through that system. You can typically find this by searching something like state online LLC filing. Look for the state's website, which typically, which will typically be through the Secretary of State at a .gov address. Watch out for third-party filing programs that charge additional fees. Most states allow you to file directly on their site and pay the associated filing fee. Don't fall for the trap of applying through a different website and paying their fee on top of the filing fee. It's unnecessary and typically provides no added benefit. The state should send you a confirmation in the mail when your LLC has been approved and filed. Some may notify by email, others don't. In California, LLCs are typically approved within a week. It used to take three to five weeks to get confirmation by mail. Now they send email notifications upon approval. If you don't hear from the state, you can do your own status check. Redo the LLC name search a few days after filing. Search your own LLC name. If it shows no results, your LLC hasn't been approved yet. This trick can save you waiting a few weeks before moving to the next step. After forming the LLC, you'll inevitably get spam mail. The letters and notices usually look official and come from private companies scaring you into giving them money. A good rule of thumb, if it's not mentioned in this book, you probably don't need it. However, every state does have different requirements, so still be diligent in your research. One popular scam is those pesky employment posters. Have you ever had a job with an on-site break room? They usually have those state posters that have all the overtime and meal break rules. Most states require employers to post those. There are specific requirements depending on whether you have employees and maintain a work location for them. Private companies send new LLC owners letters about these posts after the LLC gets approved. 
the companies always have official sounding names, so they sound like a government agency. They'll sell you the posters for $100 or more under the guise that you must have them when you may actually not need, not need them. And if you do, you could buy the posters elsewhere for a fraction of the cost or get them for free from the state website. This is one example. There are many other sketchy letters that may trickle into your mailbox. But before the sketchy mail comes, you must choose and file your business entity. Business entity is legal jargon for the different ways to legally inform your business, legally organize and form your business. As you know from part four, the typical options are sole proprietorships, general partnerships, limited liability companies or LLCs, S corporations, and C corporations. The default entities are the sole proprietorship and general partnership. Typically, cost is the only reason you would choose not to form a different entity. Aside from the default entities, the most common options for small business owners are LLCs and S-Corps. Remember, an S-Corp is not a type of entity, it's a tax status. Therefore, for most solopreneurs, an LLC would be the best starting point. If you plan to make more than $60,000 per year, complete the S-Corp savings guide in the program if you're a student to see if you should consider that option. Once you determine your underlying entity, you can decide if you want to evolve into an S-Corp now or later. I specifically say evolve because I am a self-proclaimed Pokemon master. Your default entity is your Charmander. The LLC is Charmeleon and the S-Corp is Charizard. You get to decide if and when the evolution happens. You have to go to phase two before three, and the goal is to fully evolve eventually. When you do decide to evolve into your S-Corp, you must do so within one of two time requirements. If you want S-Corp status in the first year of your business entity, meaning in the first year you form your LLC, you must file for S-status within two months and 15 days from the date of forming your business. For existing entities, you can change to an S-Corp by filing by March 15th. For example, if you filed your LLC in July 2022, you can elect for S-Corp status to begin in 2022, in which case you'd need to elect S-status sometime in September, about two months after filing. If you opt not to file S-Corp status, you can reassess each year, in which case the deadline to become an S-Corp is March 15th of the year in which you want S-status to begin. S-Corps save you from paying self-employment tax, Medicare, Social Security, on net income after salary. But remember, that salary must be reasonable. My beef with tax pros. One of my most popular podcast episodes is titled Three Worst Pieces of Legal Advice I've Seen on Facebook. One of the most common pieces of garbage advice is recommending business owners wait for some arbitrary income threshold before filing an LLC. At first, I was super confused. I quickly learned that this guidance often came from CPAs and tax repairers. Notice that I said this was one of the worst pieces of legal advice. Often you can ask the same question of both a lawyer and a CPA or tax accountant and get different answers. Each is answering through the lens of their own expertise. I've learned that when, tax, when a tax professional tells you not to form an LLC, what they're usually saying is you're not making enough money to benefit from an S-Corp, so stay a sole proprietorship for now. They're not considering the legal implications. Likewise, a business attorney may not fully understand S-Corps. I meet many entrepreneurs who form S-Corps too early because some dum-dum told them to without understanding fully what it entails or when that person would actually benefit. 
This is why I teach online business entities in three freight phases or evolutions. Sure, you can start as a sole proprietorship, but you don't have any protection. Instead, form your LLC sooner rather than later for the legal benefits. The next evolution is the S-Corp for the tax benefits. Step four, obtain employer identification number. An employer identification number, EIN, is essentially a social security number for your business. EINs serve a few key purposes. You are required to have an EIN when you have employees or if your business is a partnership or a corporation. Remember, when you form an S-Corp, you put yourself on payroll, making you an employee. If we really think about this requirement, we can see that EINs are really required for any entity that is not a disregarded entity. Side note, I know that any entity that's not a disregarded entity is a bit clunky, but I don't think a regarded entity really makes sense. That's brain twister. Although sole props and single member LLCs may not be required by the IRS to get an EIN, most banks require an EIN to open business bank accounts. This is why almost every new business gets an EIN. I slotted the EIN in the fourth spot of our business blueprint because if you choose to form an LLC, you want the EIN in your LLC's name. You need to form the LLC first. However, you'll likely be asked what your EIN is on each of the following items discussed in the blueprint. You can get your EIN totally free through the IRS. Search for the IRS EIN application and make sure to file through the IRS website. You can only file during IRS business hours. Do not file through any other third party so that charge. It's unnecessary. You'll still need to answer the exact same questions electronically, like the type of entity you have, owner's information, address, and so on. If you absolutely don't want to do this on your own, hire an attorney or an accountant to apply for you. Typically, professionals will file the EIN along with all the other filings to form your business. When you already have an EIN... In the first two editions of this book, I advised getting a new EIN to replace the sole prop EIN when moving from a sole prop to an LLC. I still think that's okay. You're basically treating it like for like you're forming a whole new business. Since the last book update, though, I learned the IRS would prefer you to update your existing EIN instead. This allows them to maintain your tax history under one account. It's cleaner, but just takes longer. To update, mail a letter to the IRS letting them know your business is now an LLC. Ask them to update the name on the LLC to reflect the change. We have a template for Unfuck Your Biz students, but this isn't complicated. An IRS agent once told me, we don't want to read letters any more than you want to write them. Keep it brief. Literally, a sentence or two is just fine. Some EIN missteps. EINs are in concept quite simple. In practice, I've seen many mistakes, some of them personal. The most common mistake is using the wrong EIN. Folks have multiple or they get a new one but don't update it on various accounts and things get real wonky real fast. For example, we had one client who got a new EIN for her LLC. She elected S-Corp status and got on payroll, but she set up the payroll with her old EIN. A couple of years later, the IRS came knocking for several thousands of dollars and back payroll tax. It was a headache, but an easy fix. She explained the misstep and the IRS applied those payments to the correct account with the correct EIN. The same mistake happens with quarterly taxes often as well. Step five, file for seller's permit. Seller's permits are required when you have sales subject to sales tax. Some states have different names for seller's permits. Make sure to check the requirements in your state. 
This is one license I encourage you not to get if you aren't required to do so. Once you get a seller's permit, you'll be in the state's system for sales taxes, which means they'll expect a sales tax return from you. Therefore, hold off on getting one until you need to start collecting sales tax. Sales tax returns are separate from income tax returns. Remember, it's an entirely different process. Am I subject to sales tax? That's the magic question. We talked about that in chapter six, refer back to help determine if you need a seller's permit, but also keep in mind the seller's permit rules vary by state. Check with yours. Make sure to find your state's sales tax authority. Usually it's separate from whoever collects income tax. In California, the FTB or franchise tax board is responsible for income tax. They are like our IRS. The CDTFA, California Department of Tax and Fee Administration, deals with sales tax. It's a lot of acronyms. I know. Step six, get fictitious business name license. After the EIN, it's time to file your fictitious business license or FBL. The document we covered extensively in the last chapter that legally establishes your DBA. Typically, this application is done through your county. If you need multiple DBAs, I have a couple helpful tips. Many FBL applications allow you to obtain multiple DBAs on one application. For example, in San Diego, the county charges $5 per DBA in addition to the filing fee. Make sure to add any and all you want. You want you also want to put each of these on your business license. You only get one FBL per business. Let's look at an example. Anika is a is a hair and makeup artist. She has a mobile hair salon. Let's pretend it's called Mobile Beauty. Anika's wedding business is hair and makeup by Anika. She formed her LLC with the name Anika LLC. Anika is also a business coach. She decided to make this business entity separate from her beauty business. She decides to form AK LLC for that business, and she operates as Anika Coaching. Anika would file two FBLs, one for Anika LLC and one for AK LLC. The FBL for Anika LLC would list two DBAs, Makeup by Anika and Mobile Beauty. The AK LLC license would list one DBA, Anika Coaching. You can start to see why this topic can be a bit confusing depending on business structure. Consider whether you have multiple businesses or just multiple revenue streams in one business. Also consider whether a revenue stream really needs to be its own business slash LLC. Think back to our magic bubble analogy. From there, consider the specific rules on FBLs as to whether you need one and if so, how many. Be careful to also check the publication requirements in your state. I previously mentioned how no one really publishes their DBA in California, but when I did a book club for beta readers of this book, a few chimed in that their banks in California actually did require proof of publication. Thus, it may just be bank dependent. In other states like New York, it's absolutely required. Also note that FBLs, like most licenses, have renewal requirements. In California, we must renew every five years. As you can imagine, that's quite difficult to remember, and expecting reminders from the county will also leave you disappointed when your FBL expires. Their renewal date is a great thing to put on your compliance calendar discussed in a few pages. Step 7. Obtain business license or tax certificate. Business licenses are sometimes called tax certificates. These terms are interchangeable. 
Business licenses are required by most cities. Check your city's requirements. They typically require a business license anytime you operate a business in the city. The definition of operate a business may vary city to city, but generally it's based on your physical location, which would be where your office or storefront is. Some cities have separate business license requirements for those who operate out of home offices versus those who have a location outside the home. In these cases, the license for the latter is typically more expensive. Licenses cost on average $50 per year. I have seen as high as $250 in Long Beach, California. If yours is more than $100, take time to make sure you're looking at the correct license. If you're unsure, the call the city office to double check. Once you have the specifics, file online through the city's website. This is the license I talk about in Chapter 9 on contractor misclassification. Many of the business-to-business -business type exceptions under California law require contractors to have a business license. You should always ask for a copy, particularly when hiring someone utilizing one of the exceptions due to failing the ABC test. Step eight, draft operating agreement. If you have two or more individuals coming together to form a partnership, you need a partnership agreement. Since a general partnership doesn't have a separate existence in the eyes of the law, the partners will be held jointly and severally liable for any debts or liabilities of the business. Also in California and in many other states, state default rules apply in absence of a partnership agreement. In short, if you don't have an agreement, a court can make and infer particular rules. I highly recommend working with an attorney to get one drafted. Generally, a partnership agreement will include the following. Nature of the business, initial capital contributions of each partner, expectations for future capital contributions, distributions of capital and cash receipts or profit, meeting and voting requirements, business interest transfer, restrictions, what should happen in the case of business dissolution, rights and responsibilities of each partner, and tax allocation between the partners. It's not uncommon for business partners to get into disputes. In fact, it's totally normal. Partners have differing ideas on how to market and where to invest money. Sometimes there's a discrepancy in the hours worked by each partner in relation to how the partners are being paid. All of these issues can be considered and possibly prevented in a partnership agreement. Once a partnership uplevels into an LLC, the partnership agreement gets tossed out for an operating agreement. If, however, the partners form a C-Corp, they'll instead draft corporate bylaws. All these documents serve the same purpose, but for different entities. Obviously, if you're the sole owner of your business, you won't need a partnership agreement. However, once you decide to form an LLC or corporation, you need an operating agreement or bylaws. Seems silly, right? You're creating an agreement with yourself. The main reason to form an LLC is for liability protection. To maintain your liability protection, you must meet particular requirements that prove you're keeping yourself separate from your business. One way to do that is through an operating agreement. The agreement places rules on you. For example, you can state the method and manner by which you will pay yourself. This shows that you are treating your biz like a business and yourself like an employee of the business. Many other provisions in an operating agreement will be similar to those in a partnership agreement. We also have operating agreements in the contract club, www.notabglaw.com forward slash club. Yay. You will find a template for your first meeting minutes in the club as well. Step nine, draft meeting minutes. The operating agreement and meeting minutes are internal documents, meaning they don't get filed with the city, county, state, or IRS. Remember our corporate formalities? Our internal, our internal documents are part of those formalities when we form formal entities. Their purpose is to show we're operating like a legit business if we were ever to get sued. As business owners, we have meetings with ourselves every day 
but we usually don't document them. I know it's weird, but here we are. Recording meeting minutes is one of those formalities to maintain your magic liability bubble. They don't have to be complicated. You don't need to record minutes for every minor decision, like offering a promotion, for example. Instead, record major business changes in meeting minutes, like salary raises, opening and closing bank accounts, buying physical property, and the like. If you have one or more business partners, you need a more regular habit of taking meeting minutes as they document what you have jointly agreed to do. If you operate as anything other than a default entity, you at a minimum need to record annual minutes. Step 10, file S-Corp election. Let's revisit our two S-Corp timing requirements. If you want an S-Corp in your entity's first year, meaning in the first year you form your LLC, you must file for S-status within two months and 15 days from the date of forming your business. For existing entities, you can change to an S-Corp by filing IRS Form 2553 by March 15th. If you're filing your LLC later in the year, note that you're only getting the tax benefits for these for those months. If your S election is not effective on the first of the year, you file what's called a part year tax return. For the one part of the year, you don't have an S corp status. You file taxes as a pass through. For the other part, you file as an S corp. This makes filing a little bit more complicated. Due to this and the lowered savings, you may want to consider filing your S-election at the beginning of the following year if you're otherwise forming the LLC late in the year or filing earlier but do not yet have a lot of savings from the S-election. Chapter wrap-up. Yay, we are most of our way through the blueprint. and the next chapter, we tackle the final steps. Take action. Review the blueprint in Appendix H and then use the worksheet section to create your very own blueprint. Then get to work on your steps. As you file, add each ongoing requirement to your compliance calendar in Appendix P. For students, watch the chapter videos. Access your state-specific blueprint or let us know if you need it to be added. Then your, work your way through the blueprint using our tutorial videos in the resource roundup as a supplement. Key takeaways. The items on the blueprint may be tedious, but they're not all that complicated. Go through them diligently to make sure you're compliant. There we have it. That was our small business blueprint in Legally Launched. We go through each of these uh, sections on the blueprint in more detail with course videos, templates when you need them, and the like. I actually took the video straight out of the Unfuck Your Biz course. So we referenced that um, throughout the chapter in the book. Um, what we did was I just took that whole section from Unfuck Your Biz. I dropped it into Legally Launched. Um, the videos are super fun. We edited them to make them like a little bit more entertaining. And then, of course, um, as I mentioned, if you join by end of day tomorrow on Friday, um, you're going to get access to our live bonus sessions. Um, I also mentioned on last week's episode that if you need some tax support, that's coming next week. So next week, we're going to be um, starting to introduce our different services and offerings we have to help you with your bookkeeping and your taxes. So stay tuned for that. Right now, we're focused on the LLC and S-Corp stuff. If you have any questions, um, slide into our DMs at notabglaw on Instagram. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back on the podcast next Thursday for a new episode. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. 
That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.